ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله amma ba'd so carrying on then we've been discussing some of the ahadith from the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam the hadith that we've arrived at is the narration of abu huraira abu huraira radiyallahu anhu one of the famous companions of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam Abdurrahman ibn Sakhar al-Dawsi was his name as many of the scholars have mentioned and he narrated the most narrations from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in this hadith he says qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said man da'a إلى هدى كان له من الأجر مثل أجور من اتبعه من غير أن ينقص من أجورهم شيئا ومن دعا إلى ضلالة كان عليه من الإثم مثل آثام من تبعه لا ينقص ذلك من آثامهم شيئا Rawahu Muslim. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Whomsoever calls to goodness, to guidance, then he will have the reward like the reward of the ones who follow in that. Somebody calls to goodness, guides to goodness, shows people the way to the sunnah, then that person will get the reward of the ones who follow him and do it. He will get that reward too, without any of their rewards being decreased. The people who listen to him and do it, they will be rewarded for it. But he will also get rewarded for them following him in that good because he is the one who taught them that good. And similarly, whomsoever calls the people to misguidance, calls them to misguidance, then upon him will be the sin. Just like the sin of all of those who followed him upon that wrong. And it will not decrease their sin whatsoever. So a person who calls to wrong, calls to misguidance, then all of those people who follow him upon that misguidance, he will get the sin of all of them too. And they will get their sin for following upon that misguidance and performing and implementing and practicing that misguidance. The hadith therefore, from its benefits and its meanings, 
Within it is an encouragement. And within it is a warning. There is an encouragement within this hadith. And at the same time there is a warning in this hadith. The encouragement clearly is that we need to call the people to goodness. We need to enjoin the good. To give da'wah to good. It is an encouragement upon giving da'wah to goodness and guidance and uprightness. And it is a warning against calling to misguidance and evil because the one who calls to misguidance and evil, he will end up with the bad reward, the bad deeds and the sin. He will end up with that sin and the sin of all of those whom he misguided. So there's an encouragement to call to goodness and a warning against calling to evil. فَكُلُّ مَنْ عَلَّمَ عِلْمًا أَوْ وَجَّهَ الْمُتَعَلِّمِينَ إِلَى سُلُوكِ طَرِيقَةٍ يَحْصُلُ لَهُمْ فِيهَا عِلْمٍ فَهُوَ دَاعٍ إِلَى الْهُدَى So all of those who have learnt knowledge, all of those who have learnt knowledge, or they have guided the students to the correct pathway, then they are ones who are calling to goodness. All of those who have learnt the knowledge, or they have taught the knowledge, all of those who have taught the knowledge, or they have taught the students to the correct pathway in seeking knowledge, then that is all calling to goodness. You're guiding people to knowledge, showing them the path to knowledge, giving them that knowledge, then that is all calling to goodness. وَكُلُّ مَنْ دَعَا إِلَىٰ عَمَلٍ صَالِحٍ يَتَعَلَّقُ بِحَقِّ اللَّهِ أو بحقوق الخلق العامة والخاصة فهو داعٍ الْهُدَىٰ And everybody who calls to the righteous actions that are related to the rights of Allah or the rights of the people. He calls you to the sunnah, calls you to the guidance. Then that person is a caller to goodness. And this is like the narration that we already went by, where the Prophet ﷺ had mentioned, Ad-Dinu An-Nasiha. This religion it is, purity, sincerity, advice, purity and sincerity between yourself and Allah. So you call the people and enjoin upon the people that tawheed, that worship of Allah alone. And also with regards to the rights of the messenger, calling the people to following the sunnah and sticking to the sunnah. Similarly, with regards to the Qur'an, calling the people to the, to the uh, following of the Qur'an, the understanding of the Qur'an, the recitation of the Qur'an, memorization of the Qur'an, practicing of the Qur'an, 
All of that is calling to goodness. All of that is calling to the Qur'an, calling to the sunnah. So the one who does that, do that to the ability you have. And of course, al-ilmu qabla al-qawli wal-amal, knowledge comes before statements and actions. But you call to what you have from the understanding of tawheed. You give that to your family, to your neighbors, to your community. Then all of that goodness that you are calling them to, if somebody was to accept that, some of them were to follow you in that, and they were guided to the truth, and they practiced that truth, then you will have the reward of their goodness that you taught them. And they will get their reward. It will not decrease their reward. They will have their reward in full. For now following that guidance they've come across. And you will be given the reward for having shown them in the first place. And then at the same time the opposite is mentioned. The person who calls to misguidance. The person who calls to innovation. The person who calls to other than the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Then upon him is sin. And the sin of all of those who he misguides. All of those who follow him upon that innovation, follow him upon that methodology or that way, that practice, that so-called worship, which in reality is an innovation, then upon him is the sin and the sin of all of those who followed him in that. But a person who follows another in an innovation, then you cannot instantly by default claim innocence for yourself. You cannot say, but I didn't know, I just followed that person who taught us that way. Because the Prophet said, مَنْ أَحْدَثَ فِي أَمْرِنَا هَذَا مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ فَهُوَ رَدٍ Whoever brings about something new into this sharia, into this religion of ours which is not from it, then he will have it rejected. A person may say, but I am not the one who brought anything new into this religion. I am not the one who invented the mawlid. I am not the one who invented celebrating the birthday. So this narration does not apply to me, and these narrations are not applicable to me. However you say to him, in the other narration, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْرُنَا فَهُوَ رَدَّ Whoever does an action which is not from our sharia, then it will be rejected upon him. So it's not about you being the initiator of the action. You being the one who brings about or innovates that action from its source. But if you follow that innovation, practice that innovation, then you are fallen into this other narration that you are somebody who is practicing an innovation. Even if you are not the one who invented the innovation. So this hadith from the Prophet ﷺ gives us an encouragement to call the people to good and it gives us a warning against calling to evil because the consequences of that will be upon your heads if you call to evil and you call to innovation 
and you call the people to that which opposes the sunnah. And that is why you see the salaf, they were so strict on this issue. The salaf were very strict on this issue in making sure that they enjoin the good and they forbade the evil. They called to guidance, to uprightness, to the sunnah. And they warned against anything which opposed the sunnah. You hear the people saying, why do you Salafis always refute people? This narration, these kinds of narrations, think about them and you will understand. Here the Prophet ﷺ says, the one who calls to misguidance upon you is the sin. And the sin of all of those who follow it after you from you. Is that not enough of a warning for you to warn against that activity? Is that not enough of a threat to make sure that you warn the people against innovations and wrongdoings and oppositions to the sunnah? A person who loves good for himself and loves good for his family, friends, community, the Muslims as a whole. You love good for yourself and your brothers and your sisters. Then from loving that goodness for yourself and for them, then you wish to guide them to the truth and warn them from the evil. And to refute that evil and refute the figureheads who are calling to that evil and calling to that misguidance. That is from your love and your sincerity to yourself, to your brothers, to your sisters. So it is not the case that the Salafis they refute and all they do is refute. This is a false argument that the people of innovation have placed upon Ahlul Sunnah. This is a false claim and accusation that Ahlul Ahwa wal Bid'ah, the people of desires and innovation have placed upon the people of truth. The truth is only one. The truth is not multiple. The truth is only one. The Qur'an and the Sunnah, this right pathway is only one. There are not multiple pathways. Allah didn't give us multiple choice religions, choose whichever one you want, and you will go to paradise. Allah did not give us multiple choice in the religion. You can be a Sufi, you can be a Brailwi, you can be whatever, you know, go to paradise, everybody is right. That is not the way of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, that is not the way of the Prophet ﷺ. He didn't give multiple choice to the Sahaba. Were the Sahaba like that? Some of them different aqidah, some of them different aqidah, different aqidah. Not at all. All of them were upon one pathway, calling to that goodness, warning from that evil. And that is what Ahl sunnah do. That is what the Salafiyun they do. And that is what Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Asr. As one of the characteristics for salvation. They enjoin and call one another upon the truth. The truth. And there is only one truth. That which is what Allah has said. What the messenger has said. What is found in the revelation. And that is not multiple choice. That is one religion. One pathway. One understanding of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So in this hadith, we have a very important benefit to benefit. And that is the importance of calling to goodness, and clinging to that goodness, and warning against evil, 
and refuting that evil, loving for your brothers and sisters what you love for yourself, wanting for them goodness and guidance as you desire it for yourself. So call to the goodness and warn against the evil. For the one who calls to the evil, he is incurring upon himself the sin and the sin of all of those who follow him. You are being merciful by refuting those people. You are being merciful to them by refuting them, by stopping people from going to their lectures. You are being merciful to them, lest people become misguided upon him, lest people become misguided by him, he'll have less sin. You are being merciful to him. Merciful by stopping the people from following his misguidance. Yet the people, they say, why are you talking about the Muslims? Why are you talking about the other groups? You are being merciful to them. Look what the hadith says, they are calling to misguidance, they will have the sin, and the sin of all of those who follow them. You are being merciful to him by stopping people from following him. So that is an important narration from the sunnah. Then after that, the next hadith. Hadith of Muawiyah, radiyallahu anhu qal, qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, man yuridillahu bihi khayra, yufaqihu fiddin. A hadith that is muttafaqun alayhi. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Whomsoever Allah wants goodness for, then Allah gives that person knowledge of the religion. Allah gives a person understanding, comprehension and knowledge of the religion. And that is a sign of goodness for that person. As for a person who is ignorant, you ask him, can you detail to me the method of praying? Explain to me properly section by section how you pray with the proofs from the sunnah. And a person cannot do it. You say to a person, explain to me section by section, detail by detail, how to make the wudu. How did the Prophet ﷺ used to do it? And the person cannot. Generally what he's learned as a child with mistakes in it, that's all he knows. Never learned the sunnah properly. You say to a person, tell me about fasting, this obligation in Ramadan. What are the rulings for it? What is allowed and what is not? And he does not know. A person who is upon ignorance like that, who is upon jahl, then is that a sign of goodness? Nobody will say to you that is a sign of goodness. That is a sign of badness. That is a sign of weakness in your understanding, in your practice of the religion. That is why Ali ibn Abi Talib mentioned, كَفَى بِالْعِلْمِ شَرَفًا أَنْ يَدَّعِيهِ مَنْ لَيْسَ فِيهِ Sufficient for knowledge as an honor, as nobility, is that the one who does not have it, still wants to claim he has it. Such is the honor and nobility of having knowledge. That even a person who doesn't have it, 
wants to claim that they have it. وَكَفَى بِالْجَهْلِ ذَمَّنْ أَنْ يَتَبَرَّأَ مِنْهُ مَنْ هُوَ فِيهِ And sufficient for ignorance as an ignobility, as a dispraiseworthiness, is that the people who are actually ignorant want to free themselves of being called ignorant or being known as ignorant. They want to rid themselves of this title. They do not want to be known that they are ignorant, that they do not know anything about Islam. They don't want to be known like that. They want to be known as knowledgeable, that I know about Islam, I have knowledge. So sufficient for nobility of knowledge is that even the ones who don't have it claim it. And sufficient as a dispraiseworthiness and criticism of ignorance is that the ones who are in it want to declare their innocence of it. Knowledge therefore has great virtues. And this hadith is one of those ahadith in the sunnah which encourages us to seek knowledge. Encourages us to seek knowledge of the Qur'an, of the Sunnah, so we understand our religion, so that we are not just Muslims by name, we actually understand what our religion of Islam is. We need to know how to pray in the correct manner, how to make that wudu properly, how to fast, what are the rules, what is the various rulings, in the religion, we need to know that is something which is encouraged highly in the Quran and the Sunnah. That a Muslim learns his religion. Allah said in the Quran, "Hal yastawi al-ladina yaglamoon wa al-ladina la yaglamoon?" Are they equal the ones who have knowledge and the ones who do not? Allah says in the Qur'an, are they the same? The ones who have knowledge and the ones who are ignorant. And of course the meaning of this ayah is to show you that they are not the same. The ones of knowledge are superior. And the ones who are ignorant and jahil are inferior. Look at the narrations from the Salaf. It's mentioned or from the scholars of the past and the salaf. And if all of the people got together to do some bad to you, they would not be able to unless it was something decreed. So whatever the situation, as the narration says, you say Alhamdulillah. How amazing is the affair of the believer no matter what occurs, his affair is good. If something good happens to you, you say Alhamdulillah and you thank Allah. And if something bad happens, you remain patient and you ask Allah for relief. Remain patient and ask Allah for relief. So here the Prophet said, if something occurs to you, do not start saying if only I'd done this and if only I'd done that, it would have been this, it would have been that. Say, Instead, Allah. Allah has decreed the affair 
And whatever Allah decrees, He does, or what He wills, He does. And if you start saying, if only this, if only that, you are opening up the door to the shaitan and the anxiety in your head. So do not allow that to occur, because if you allow that to occur, you will find yourself in a great state of anxiety and weakness. A great state of anxiety and weakness, weakening you in your ibadah, in your worship. So do not allow these thoughts to enter your mind. Be a person with a strong mind, a person with a strong will. And that all occurs through knowledge. Look at this now, this hadith, it tells you the cure to anxiety. The hadith tells you the cure to anxiety. Forget about this anxiety and these thoughts, and if only this, if only that. Say this is the decree of Allah. Allah has decreed it all. Allah has decreed it all. Remain patient and ask Allah for relief. Ask Allah, make dua for you to exit from that difficulty and remain patient. Do not open up the door to the shaitan. This religion gives you knowledge of all of your lives and what to do and how to live. All of the problems, Islam comes and gives you the cure and the solution. It is upon the people now to learn that. Learn it and you will find the easing of yourselves. Look at the state, the situations that occurred to the prophets and the messengers, the trials and the tribulations they went through. They had the most difficulties, the most trials. Yet they were patient, patient upon worshipping Allah. When the Prophet ﷺ used to pray at night, the night prayer, he would pray for so long that his ankles would become swollen from standing up. Praying at the night prayer, tahajjud, so long, Surah Al-Baqarah, Ali Imran and Nisa, reading them all in one night. So long that his ankles would become blistered and swollen. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, Messenger of Allah, all of your sins, past and future, have been forgiven. So why pray to this extent? Your feet have become swollen. Why this much? And you, the Messenger of Allah, your sins have been forgiven. So the Prophet said, أَفَلَا أَكُونُ عَبْدًا شَكُورًا In one narration, أُحِبُّ أَنْ أَكُونُ عَبْدًا شَكُورًا I love that I should be a grateful servant to Allah. Should I not be a grateful servant to Allah? Allah has forgiven the sins, should I not be grateful for that? Grateful for Allah, grateful to Allah for the blessings that you have been given. When a person finds difficulties, and that's why in the narration, the other one it says, don't look at the people above you, always look at those below you. And you will see how much of a blessing Allah has given you compared to those below you. No matter how much your difficulty is you're experiencing, look at those who are below you with difficulties twice as big as yours. Difficulties ten times as big as yours. Then you recognize that actually my difficulty is nothing. But the person when a difficulty comes, becomes engrossed in his difficulty. Becomes engrossed in his concern and worry. As if it is the biggest problem ever. But look to those who are less blessed than you. Look to those who have not been given the level of what you've been given in terms of blessings. 
and you will find more ease and peace in your hearts. Look at the examples of the prophets and messengers and what they went through. Yet they had that ease in their hearts, that peace in their hearts, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowing that all of this world is a test, all of this world, everything which occurs these days that come and by, it is all a test and it is all temporary. The bliss will be in the hereafter. So they strive for that. They strive for the hereafter and the bliss of that, not the bliss of this world. So that is the narration regarding the strong believer and the weak believer and the fact that the Prophet ﷺ said you should strive for that which will benefit you and do not become weak and lazy in this world uh, abandoning the religion or that which is of benefit to you and do not become in a state of anxiety if only this and if only that. That is the hadith we'll conclude on this time. The next time we'll carry on with the next narration which talks about the believers being brothers and sisters one to another and being like one building, uh, all of them united upon this religion, upon Tawheed. That is the one we will carry on with from next time insha'Allah ta'ala. But we'll conclude upon that point for today. There's a couple of questions. You mentioned about the companions having one aqidah. Could you please explain and clarify about the deviants who say that the companions differed? The deviants talk about the issue of the Prophet ﷺ seeing Allah. We said that the companions did not differ in aqidah whatsoever. And that is the correct statement that the companions did not differ in the principles of aqidah whatsoever. The deviants, however, the ikhwanis, the hizbis and their likes, they would rather have you believe that the companions did differ in aqidah. And their objective behind that is to show you upon their misguidance, that look, even the companions used to differ in aqidah, yet they did not used to refute each other and abandon each other, and write refutations against each other, yet look, we have examples of them differing with one another. Therefore, we should be able to cooperate with each other, all of these different groups, if they have different aqidah, we shouldn't refute, we shouldn't do this, that. We should work together. That is the objective they want to achieve. The likes of Al-Maghrib Institute and that deviant Yasir Qadi and his people. This is the type of objective they want to achieve. All of us, let's just work together. We don't have to talk about each other, we don't have to refute each other, we don't have to mention your aqidah is wrong actually. And your aqidah is wrong actually, that's not what the Prophet taught. We don't have to do that. How do they justify they don't have to do that? By trying to show you examples of the Sahaba apparently differing in aqidah. Because if they can prove to you that the Sahaba differed in aqidah but didn't refute each other, then they can say we can do the same. All of these sects, we can work together. No refuting the people of innovation. So then they give you this example of the night of al-Isra' wal-Mi'raj. 
the night of Al-Isra' al-Mi'raj, when the Prophet ﷺ was taken up to the heavens. On that night, did he see Allah or did he not? There is a narration from Aisha radiallahu anha in Bukhari that whomsoever claims Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw his Lord, then he is a liar. Whomsoever claims Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw Allah, then he is a liar. But Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma, he said that the Messenger of Allah saw Allah. So now, they say, look, Aisha radiyallahu anha saying the Prophet never saw Allah. Anybody who says he did is a liar. Ibn Abbas saying he saw Allah. Is that not a difference in aqidah? So the scholars have explained that it is not. With many explanations. Firstly, because there is no contradiction between the statements. In Arabic and in English, there are two types of seeing. One is a physical seeing with your eyes. I see the person, I see the door, I see the light, I see the ceiling. Physical seeing with your eyes. The second type is a seeing of the heart. A comprehension, a understanding. Like when somebody says to you, even in English, when they say, they explain something to you, the teacher explains something to you, gives you all the explanation. Then at the end of it, he says, do you see what I mean? Do you see? And you say, "Uh uh-huh, I see. In that context, when you say, "Uh uh-huh, I see, you're not actually seeing anything. The teacher hasn't shown you something. He's just talking, talking, talking. At the end of talking, he says, do you see? You say, yes, I see, I see. You mean I understand, I comprehend. It's a seeing of the heart. A comprehension, an understanding, a realization. It's not physical seeing that one. You're not seeing the words of what he's saying. So now in Arabic it's the same. There's a physical seeing and there's a seeing of the heart. Aisha radiallahu anha when she said anybody who says the Prophet saw Allah is a liar was talking about if anybody says the Prophet saw Allah with the physical seeing then he's a liar. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma when he said the Prophet saw Allah he was talking about the seeing of the heart, not physically seeing with the eyes. So is there even any contradiction to begin with? None. No contradiction to even begin with. Let alone talking about the companions differing. No difference at all. Aisha radiallahu anha was rejecting physical vision. Ibn Abbas was affirming the heart vision. Nothing to do with physical vision. Ibn Abbas never affirmed that. 
Aisha radiallahu anha was rejecting the physical vision. She wasn't talking about the vision of the heart. So there are two things and they were talking about the other one each. So there is no contradiction in the first place. No contradiction in the first place. Even if a person says, but no, I don't accept that explanation. What if, what if they were talking about the same one? What if Ibn Abbas was talking about the physical vision? You can say to them, even then, this is not an example of the companions differing in aqidah. Because this issue of the Prophet ﷺ seeing Allah on that night, is it an issue of aqidah or not? Generally, yes. Generally, it is an issue of aqidah. However, is that night of al-Isra al-Mi'raj and the Prophet seeing Allah or not an issue from the usul of aqidah or not? It is not. Because the asr in that topic is seeing Allah in the hereafter. That is the asr. As for the night of al-Isra al-Mi'raj, it is a secondary issue from that asr. It is a branch. It is a far' from the asr. The asr, the, 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 the actual topic here is Believers seeing Allah in the hereafter. Seeing Allah in the hereafter. On the night of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj, that is a subsection of this topic of seeing Allah. So it is not from the usul of aqidah in the first place. Even if we say that they were differing, they never differed in the usul of aqidah, it would just be one of the branches. Even if that was agreed. And it's not agreed anyway. I'm just saying, even if. And the scholars have said, even then you wouldn't be right to say the companions differed in aqidah. So there is no issue with that. That is not an example of the companions differing in aqidah. Of course, the likes of Al-Maghrib will deceive the people and try to use that example and say, look, this is an issue of aqidah and they differed. And it is not the case. That is upon their deception and their misguidance that they are calling the people to. The companions did not differ in aqidah. So that was the question. We'll conclude upon that for today then. Um, and inshallah ta'ala we'll carry on uh, from the next session.